Hey guys, it's Christian here. I just wanted to start this podcast out by just saying thank you guys so much for all the support that you have given us over these years. Um, we've been doing this for a little while now, and it's been an amazing, amazing ride. Uh, given that, there are some great episodes that we have talked to, or that we've recorded in the past that we want to share with you guys uh, once again, right? So we're going to be doing a couple recast episodes uh, and it's just mostly it's because our schedules are a little busy right now, but don't worry, we're not going anywhere. We're going to keep on recording and getting you guys that amazing content that you have grown to love and enjoy as we release them. But don't worry, like I said, we're not going anywhere. Uh, so sit back, relax, enjoy this episode. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm not a crook. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I have a dream. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. It transcends the senses. This is Murder of Grey. Hello, I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And this is the Murder of Grey podcast. Thank you guys for joining us again as we dive more into some moral and eth ethical dilemmas that we have found. And today is going to be a tough one. We want to start the episode quickly by giving you guys a little bit of a content warning, uh, just to let you know that some of the information that we will be going over, we won't be going aggressively over it, uh, you know, not too much of the gory details, but the stories themselves can be very triggering for many people. So just to let you guys know, this is going to be potentially a rather tough one, uh, probably tougher to hear than most of the other episodes that we've done. Just to let you guys know, fair warning, okay? Now, to dive right into this, family. Family is a very interesting concept, and uh, to me, it has a lot of interesting meanings behind it, I would say. Uh, there's a lot of, I don't know, it's kind of tough for me to really explain what family means to me because it's changed so much over the years, right? Uh, like, whenever I was growing up, my family wasn't very close. We were, uh, we moved around a lot. We traveled the country because of my mom's work. No, we weren't army brats. I was a Nordstrom brat, go figure, right? Weird. Uh, but <laughs> it forced us to move around the country quite a bit. So we was never really close with anybody. And it kind of led to some really interesting situations that come up every once in a while in which I'm like, there's a separation between us. And I, I know that there's some interesting and kind of messed up things that have happened in my family. And, you know, my family's not, not special. I'm sure everybody has their own issues and skeletons. Uh, but it's one of those where I feel like I can step away from it easier because of the fact that I'm not close with them. And it does kind of help, you know, remove myself from those situations. But after being with my partner for so long and seeing what a family 
quote unquote should be like it's very interesting uh, it's a very different dynamic as far as you know calling mm. each other every other day staying in contact like it's it, it's very different so like it's kind of cool being able to see both sides of that and if there is any family of mine out there listening i if it sounds like i'm being negative about the way our family dynamic works i'm not i do love all of you guys don't worry uh, but it's just it's it's different and i think that you guys would understand where i'm coming from uh and if not call me if you want probably won't but you know whatever it's fine <laughs> <laughs> but you know like the the family is different for everybody and a lot of people unfortunately have some pretty messed up families and some of them might not even know that they're in a messed up family but I don't know. Like, what's what's your take on the idea of family and what it means to you? Um, for a long time growing up, I kind of thought I didn't have a normal family. Um, more so because people I know, you know, their parents did everything with them. You know, their dad would like take them out, do father son things, which I never really had. Um, my dad was always drunk, so. And he was older, so it wasn't, like, the easiest for him to get around, kind of. Right. So, um, and my mom worked two jobs uh, most of my childhood. So, she loved and cared for me. She was just always working. Um, and the only way she was able to really see me was at one point I got homeschooled. Uh, and that's kind of when I started bonding with Honestly, I think my whole family at that point. But, you know, my brother stayed away from the family because of my dad. Um, and for the longest time, I didn't I didn't like my dad. I didn't talk to him. You know, um, after I went through my own bad experiences in life and he got sober and stuff, like we ended up becoming close. Um, I feel like I got close to him too late. Uh when he passed away, I kind of like thought like, damn, like I wish I would have done more with him. But at the same time, he's one of the, he was one of those old school guys that uh, like great depression era, you know, like mm -hmm. very like keep everything in um, standoffish, you know? So it was, it was hard growing up with that. But after seeing other people's families, I'm like, wonder what life was like with that you know like i know people have it much worse off than what i had but still it's interesting how families can be so different on the good and the bad it's yeah. it's wild like no family is really the same yeah everybody has their own way of you know bringing up their kids or being a part of a family or what it means to be a part of a family everyone has their own definition of that so it is a very interesting concept and it's it's tough to hear is you know and i actually would be very curious to ask that question to a lot of people right like what does family actually mean to you and uh, to hear all of the different versions that they have that would be pretty crazy to actually mm -hmm. go over that'd be an interesting topic maybe maybe some listener shout outs it would be fun for that one <laughs> if anybody wants to share what they think of family <laughs> but so today's episode, we are going to be diving into that concept of family by looking into some of 
the worst families that we could <laughs> find, to be honest. Uh, and it actually does, I mean, guilty pleasure, I guess. It's kind of like watching Made back in the day where <laughs> like he, at least your life's not like that, right? It makes it yeah. a little bit better. I don't know. We'll see. Because uh, these families do get a little bit crazy. Actually, a lot of bit crazy. Remember that content warning in the beginning? Yeah, it's it's it means a lot. Trust, trust in that. But we're gonna start things out a little bit lightly here. We're gonna be going over the Murdaugh family first. And some of you people might know of the Murdaugh family. Some might have actually interacted with them. They are a very influential family in South Carolina. And it, the father was, I believe, a lawyer. And uh, he had a lot of pull within the government of South Carolina and not just the government, but the police as well. And that kind of is where this story begins and things start to kind of spiral out of control a little bit. So at one point, they yeah, got this, this story. At first, it doesn't seem like it's a very hard story to get into, um, especially when compared to some of the other families that we've found um and we'll get into later but it's it's almost more gross because of how i guess like how much pool this family actually has and how much they can get away with right and it, it just feels so like wrong on that side it's just it's very very weird and a little bit bizarre but anyway so the the beginning of the story starts out with uh their son uh and he was actually involved in a murder or an accident. Uh, I would consider this definitely to be a murder. Uh, he was drunk driving a boat with his friends uh, one night. Uh, everyone was kind of getting together. They had a little bit too much to drink. Uh, he, you know, they decided to take a boat ride in the middle of the night. And apparently uh, he decided to basically gun it. So he was going as fast as he can down this river um, when it's supposed to be even a no wake zone. So those of you who don't know what a no wake zone is, you're supposed to kind of mm. idle out of an area. And it's usually somewhere close to shore where there's a lot of obstructions that you might not be able to see even during the day. So him doing this in the middle of the night while he's drunk, you can kind of guess that that's going to spell some sort of disaster, which it unfortunately does. And they end up hitting a um, like a little pylon next to a bridge. And one of the uh, girls gets ejected from the boat and they can't find her. And the body is actually missing for quite a while. Uh, eventually, Jeez. the body does wash up on shore. They find her and the boy who is drunk is obviously arrested at that time. Uh, but uh, whenever here's like the kind of the worst part of the story, I think, or where it starts to get a little weird and fishy uh, after the accident, everybody ends up in the hospital to get their various wounds treated and things like that. Right. But mm -hmm. the father actually goes to the hospital and like kicks, kicks the doctors out of the rooms to speak with the children individually while they're getting treated, right? Like he, he tells the doctors, you have to leave now. I need to talk to them. I'm their lawyer. I'm representing them, all this crap. It's like, okay, well, why do they need a lawyer right now, right? Like what, what the hell is going on? So basically the father is telling all the kids to keep quiet. Don't say anything, you know, basically blow it under the rug. They're going to take care of everything. Basically just a huge cover up job, right? And the boy actually gets out on bond uh, for $50,000, which is way, way, way too cheap for someone who's being convicted of murder, right? 
And yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. So he's basically just back out in the streets like nothing ever happened. Uh, Apparently, he's still being kind of like a little shithead around town because everyone in this town knows the Murdaugh family. Basically, everyone in South Carolina knows the Murdaugh family and knows that they're able to get away with anything that they actually want to do because they have so many people in their pocket, which is kind of ridiculous at this point. So, um apparently supposedly from the story the way it goes uh the boyfriend of the girl who ended up passing away is pissed obviously and he thinks that the boy did it and he's responsible um so there's some sort of like there's some threats that kind of get thrown around here or there and eventually at one point the mother and the older brother uh ends up getting killed on their premises like in their front yard uh, and it kind of made this huge, huge stink, a huge ordeal. Uh, and like, the, of course, the Murdoch family starts playing the victim. And yes, they are a victim of a horrible loss. But at the same time, they were basically shunning and shutting down any sort of memorial or idea of like justice for the girl who lost her life. So it kind of feels like karma coming back and hitting him in the face. You know, and it's it's hard to really feel sympathy, but at the same time, you kind of have to, right? Like to play devil's advocate here, right? Like you got to look at it from both sides and just really say, like, no matter what, there's huge loss on both sides. And it just shows how much how much a family can like how much influence plays in here. And it's it's a very disturbing thing, honestly. And it's I don't know this one. There's a lot more to it, and it's it kind of gets a little bit more shady in a lot of different areas. But it's 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 weird to think that something. This sounds like something out of either like a movie, like you know, a family having that much mm-hmm. pool, or like back in the day. But this happened in like 2020. <laughs> like this was not that long ago that these events happened. I think the the boat accident was in 2019. So it's it's weird to think that that's still going on and that a family can still have that much pool no it it's freaky i honestly i didn't hear i remember hearing the name um maybe like a year ago or so but i thought it was murdoch like the big money dude enron or whatever um or whatever the fuck he did i don't know i forget but um so I was like, oh, what is this? And I looked into it and it was like, it literally felt like I, there was a page where it's like timeline and I was looking over and I'm like, dude, this is like a movie. Like, it's just, you know, they find one thing, it goes to another. Oh, it, it, there's, you know, lies, deceit. And I'm like, this is like, like you said, it's weird seeing a family have this much pull in this era. Mm hmm. I guess you could say, because I feel like, you know, it, it's the 2020s, you know, everyone can find out anything about anyone. So it's like, I feel like when people have this much power over an area, like either things would be found out pretty quickly or, you know, people would be exposed. So it's, it's kind of wild that they have this much like control over an area, I guess. But at the same time, I guess politicians and money go hand in hand and you can really get away with anything Yeah, for the most part. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy. And actually, too, much a little bit later after the loss of his wife and son, um, the father was while supposedly while he was changing a tire, someone came up and shot him in the head and he survived. Actually, he survived the ordeal. But there is some speculation and thought process that he might have either hired a hitman himself to do it or because he was going through massive depression or he shot himself and survived. Like, it's a very strange story that, like, he happened to be changing his tire randomly. At, like, it's some, like, some weird time of the night. And then some random passerby happened to just drive by at that exact moment and was able to take him to the hospital right away. Like, it, it was, it just feels like it's, it, of course, like, this is all speculation and, you know, conspiracy theory brain going on, but it feels like there's a lot more to the story that's actually being told. So it's it's a very tragic story, uh, but it's, it, yeah, it's crazy. All right, so I think it's time to dive into something a little bit more heavy, a lot more heavy. All right, so yeah, <laughs> this family. Uh, this this is the uh, Maru. Uh, I still can't say that name. Maruva. Mar- I think that's how you say yeah. it. I mean, it looks yeah, like it. The Maruva cult family. Now, some people might know of this family. This again was uh, around. This was still fairly recent too. This was like what, like 2018, 2019, something like that. That this was all found, but. This family takes it to a whole nother level of just disturbing, disturbing stuff. And this is this is going to be a little bit tough to hear for some people. Right. So there's a family. They're from the Czech Republic. And this story has so much intrigue to it from uh, like basically kidnapping to uh, just abuse, massive, massive abuse, and cannibalism, cults, uh, like almost brainwashing, identity thefts, like all kinds of weird crap is going on in this family. And it's, it, it's, this also sounds like a movie, right? Like it's so funny that that, that be, has become such a common, and even you had mentioned it too with the other one, uh, that these stories sound like they're movies because they're so unbelievable, but it makes it more terrifying when you realize, no, this actually happens, right? This is real life, which is just really, really disturbing. So the story focuses around Clara. Uh, Clara, and like I said, they're from the Czech Republic, uh, and she is a very religious and devout person right um and actually their family does kind of start like a little bit of a cult there uh it's very very disturbing but anyway like she ends up having two sons um andrej and jacob and the father of the sons eventually does leave the family because of you know the claiming that clara's beliefs are a little too far away from him right (laughs) like it's just too much for him to endure so he takes off which is you know kind of understandable especially after hearing the rest of this story which is pretty pretty disturbing uh yeah it's weird but anyway the so clara after she leaves her husband her husband leaves her uh ends up moving in with her sister uh katarina and clara and katarina uh end up becoming friends with this girl a woman sorry 33 year old woman named barbara but 
Barbara has a glandular disease that makes her look very, very young. And this is where it gets kind of weird, right? So she, the two sisters end up kind of roping Barbara into this cult-like ideas or behavior. And they start to kind of like spread their word a little bit, right? But they're keeping it very close in it still at the same time. It's still within the family. Um, and gosh, like, so Barbara ends up posing as a 13-year-old girl due to her disease um, and it gets away with it and actually at one point in Scandinavia becomes uh, legally a 13 year old girl named Annika like she was able to actually get legal documentation saying that she's a 13 year old girl which is very weird right it doesn't make any sense whatsoever but the cult that they end up kind of like becoming a part of and is called the grail movement uh and it expresses their belief uh that members could get into heaven by doing good deeds uh but they um, also believe that they were absolved to commit crimes so they're like allowed to commit crimes as long as they make up for it by for being nice <laughs> apparently which is a little a little strange thoughts, right? And so the girls or the women, the three women, the two sisters and Barbara end up kind of taking this cult idea and moving even further with it where they start thinking that you need to, like, uh, I forgot what's the the church or the belief in which they have to, like, hurt themselves, right? Like physical pain is the only way to get to, like, fully re be remorseful or whatever, can't remember what it was hmm. like it, they did i can't remember but it's a thing like where people actually like will like priests will whip themselves to absolve for their sins things like oh, that you know yeah 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 i've seen that movies yeah. yeah so like that's apparently what these women kind of start to believe in and that's whenever the unfortunate abuse of the sons comes into play andrej and jacob so they were actually locked in a cage in the basement for an entire year. And during that year, oh gosh, so they were completely stripped naked. They were given no blankets, nothing to lay on. Uh, they were starved, tortured, beaten, sexually assaulted. And like they were burned by cigarettes. They were given electric shocks, scratched with forks, and even whipped and partially drowned, right? So like they were really tortured and these kids were eight and nine years old can you imagine doing that to an eight and nine year old and not only that it being your own son like it just does it's it's ridiculous you know then it gets even worse from there so they were the boys were actually forced to cut themselves with knives uh and then at one point they were yeah it, it, sorry this is where it gets a little much and i'm gonna kind of go quickly over these details but it is very it's very intense so uh at one point they were handcuffed to a table and forced to stand in their own urine for multiple days um and if a boy vomited uh they were actually forced to eat it so they had to do that that's which is horrible um and then one day the three women decided to start to force feed the boys to make them gain more weight. Um, and after gaining some weight, the women held the boys down and skinned their legs uh, and then ate their flesh raw and even forced the boys to eat their own flesh. So, yeah. 
Jesus. Yeah. Now, the way that this story gets out to the public, I think, is one of the most interesting ways. And like, it talk about divine intervention. It, it makes me want to believe. So, for some reason, Clara decided to install a television system or like a television baby monitor into the room so that she can watch the boys being tortured from her like living room or wherever else she was right so that she can monitor it from afar and actually the neighbors who have that same baby monitor were able to pick up the feed and happen to see the boys being tortured and that's whenever they called the cops and uh, got them you know got the boys saved in a way um but Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think, right? Like, what a weird situation there. Like, it's just kind of like too perfect, right? Um, but then Barbara, the one who has the, you know, the disease in which she makes herself look younger, ends up fleeing. Um, she flees arrest. Uh, and then she even takes up the identity of a 13-year-old boy named Adam. And in Oslo, uh, Barbara shaved her head and she even enrolled in school uh, as a 13-year-old boy. Uh, eventually, she was tracked down by police, luckily, uh, and instantly, apparently, all three women turned on each other after they were arrested, which makes sense, right? There's just a bunch of savages. It's it's insane. So, yeah. So, Barbara actually even claimed that she was also tortured by the two sisters uh, and forced to kind of play along with their acts. And it's just, it's insane. But Clara was eventually sentenced to nine years in prison. Uh, Katharina was sentenced to 10 years in prison. And Barbara was sentenced to five years in prison. And they have all since been paroled as well. So not a very happy ending to that story there or to that information yeah if you think about it, really like the only nine ten and five years and they've all been paroled already like that's yeah that, that's 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 kind of wild right? you know you think about like people get much much worse sentences for like much less of crimes sometimes you know like, like possession right those like, crimes it, should be yeah. life yeah i've heard of people getting 10 years for weed possession <laughs> like it this is before everything was legal yeah. and everything. But these women tortured the, an eight and nine-year-old boy, ate their flesh, forced the boys to do it themselves, and was torturing them for over a year, impersonated children, got fake identities, like all this crap. And they only got, what, like a max of like 10 years in prison? Like that makes... That's insane. Yeah. It's, it's pretty horrible. So, ah, gosh, that's a tough one to kind of deal with. To be honest, yeah, I um. Uh, so there's there's two families uh, that I'm going to talk about. I think I'll start with the le- I don't want to say lesser of the evils. They're both pretty bad. Yeah, um, I would say probably the rest of these stories are all going to be pretty heavy. So yeah, um, they're heavy in two different ways. Uh, basically. These next two stories are, uh, I guess you could call long-term detention. That's kind of what it was classified under when I was looking at these. Mm -hmm. But one that I found, and it's local to 
America, California. Because um, for some reason, a lot of these cases I was finding, they were all in Europe. That's strange. Um, I wonder what the laws are out there and why. Because, yeah, like even this last one, uh, they're in, um, where were they? Czech, or Czech Republic. So, like, what? Czech, what's the yeah. laws out there where, yeah, anyway, go ahead. But uh, so this one I found, this is actually the family that kind of gave me the idea for this episode, but the Turpin family. Uh, when I was reading about this, it it started out where I guess it's a family. Uh, they had 13 kids, which is wild. Uh, they were, uh, what do you call it, Pentecostal Christians, and they thought that they were told by God to have a bunch of children. Uh, even though they were very strict in their beliefs, they were swingers as well. So, you know, they're not fully in their faith to an extent, and you can kind of... This family is really weird. Just to put I feel like, like that's such but, a common thing. Sorry to interrupt real quick, but like the people who are swinging, <laughs> yeah, swinging. No, like the people who are like so devout are the ones that really scare me the most, to be honest. Because it, like, yeah. they are so so devout, so so like afraid. But like it just has to be them looking at their own lives and just how messed up. You right? Like it, it feels that way at least. Like, there's no problem of being super spiritual and feeling a connection to your higher power. But when you believe or you're telling yourself that a higher power is, um, God, what's the word to say, is um, encouraging you to do an action, mm -hmm. it, it's probably not your God. It's probably your brain, you know, yeah, like exactly. just being blunt about it. Like so many people being are like, told oh, God that told special. me that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that guy that thought God was talking to him through a dog. It's yeah, like, son of Sam. No, bro. Yeah. Like you're, you're just thinking that. But, um, so anyway, with this family, um, they kind of moved all around the United States, but it was weird. Uh, these kids never really left the house except for every year. The family would re, uh, redo their vows. I think even in Vegas um, and they would always have a video and you can see these videos. I think I don't, if you look on YouTube, you can see like a little like thing about it, but every year you just see the family. They all seem happy. They're all dancing, goofing around. You wouldn't expect this family to have anything bad going on. Like it looks like just an hokey, innocent family. Um, you know, going back into their the parents' lives, the the mom came from a pretty broken place. She was abused when she was younger. Uh, party, um, just it got into trouble. Whereas the dad, he honestly didn't seem like he had too many rebellious things going on. He seemed like he did well in school. Um, I don't. I couldn't really find like if there was a point where something kind of changed for him. It wasn't until kind of like he was with this lady um, that that happened. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the, the meat of the story is that they would basically lock their kids away in the house, right? 
Uh, they would starve them. They would imprison them. Uh, they first lived in Fort Worth, Texas. And when they uh, moved to a neighboring city, after they had left, people went into the house, right? Because they want to clean it and all that kind of stuff. They found feces and crap just all around the floor. Uh, they noticed that there were beds that had ropes tied to them. And there was dead animals and garbage everywhere. Uh, and then later on, it became apparent that they didn't really get fed at mm -hmm. all. Uh, one of their oldest kids was 29 years old. And when they later became uh, found or they were saved, that 29 year old weighed only 82 pounds. So all of these people, even though they were older at the time, they were so malnourished, they looked younger. That's and they said that they were basically fed ketchup, mustard or ice for the most part. Uh, they were able to shower maybe once a week to once a month um, because they said there was something like that they had to keep their energy to themselves and not wash it away or something like that. Mm -hmm. But basically they were fed, they were bound to their beds. Um, they were slight, they were abused, um, not sexually from what I read. Uh, but it it's looked at to this day as like one of the more extreme uh, cases of this like imprisonment mm -hmm. because it went on with God. I, I couldn't find a clear date unless I was adding it up, but it looked like it at least went on for maybe 10, 15 years. Um, yeah, it looks like it was about 16, 17 years that this was going on. So just, you know, imagine this family locked in their house. Um, there was even times where the parents, like sister or family members, like their siblings would be like, hey, we want to see the kids. Can we come over? And they're like, no, you can't. Basically, they shut themselves off from the family or outside world. The kids didn't really know anything of the outside world except for Disneyland, which they went to at one point, which is kind of weird, yeah. you know, like they're, they're trapped at home, but then they're able to go to Disneyland and I get that, you know, they'd be scared to reach out, you know, ask for help because it, it's scary. It's your parents. You don't know what they're going to do to you. Um, obviously if they're going to the extreme of basically starving you to death, you know, they're, they're not going to be too kind if you try and tell somebody, but, uh, they actually didn't really get discovered until uh, one of the daughters actually escaped out of the window um, and ran down the street. And, you know, by chance there was a cop there and she was telling the cop like, yeah, they, they lock us up and all this kind of stuff. And at first he didn't really believe it, but then he went there and then that's when he found everything. And it's, weird because you know it, it it makes me think right if something like this is happening in you know just suburbia like you know this isn't the only one yeah 
regretfully. You know that this happens regretfully more often than you would think. Maybe not at this bad, but, you know, there'd be something equally or close to it. And it's like how many people are going through this that you just don't know because, you know, you walk by a house, you don't think about it. But it's it's sad, you know, like this story when I heard it, I'm like, oh, my God, like I I had heard of stories of children being like imprisoned by their parents, but I never really knew of ones that would be that long. Right. Right. And I mean, the next family I'll talk about, it's even longer, but it was weird. But, um, so once they were discovered, the family kind of like the parents went to prison, uh, and the, the rest of the kids all got kind of split up into foster families and stuff. Uh, one of the kids, or I think, I think it was two of them. They ended up going to the foster family with a few other children of, you know, different, not their family. And they ended up getting sexually abused by the foster parents. So they went from a broken home to another messed up home. And it was just a constant cycle for them. But uh, there was a TV special, I think, last year or two years ago. It was, oh, no, it was just last year. Uh, And they were talking to the children and how they're doing now. Um, And basically, like, it's each family is kind of different or child. Some are homeless to this day. Um, They never were able to find a home. Other ones, you know, they're doing okay, But it family's like ruined. You know, it's hard to bounce back from that. It's really sad. Like people donated money too, but to an extent, it they weren't able to get the money. Like some of them, so it's it's tough. And this is, you know, we think about it. Like this was just last year that, that they were able to get interviewed. Like this whole ordeal went on from 1999 to basically 2017. Jesus. It's it's wild. God horrible but um yeah i i I did read a a little bit something about that kind of shocked me actually when i heard about it when the the kids were saved and the cops were there some of the kids they were so secluded from the world and separated from everything that they didn't even understand the idea of what medicine or police were they didn't know what that was Mm -hmm. like what the hell you know like thinking about like you don't even know what medicine is like that's just yeah, it just shows how separate they were from everybody. And it, yeah, there, there's some weird like allegations that kind of went around to you. Some of the daughters claim that the mother was getting into witchcraft as well during all this um, and was obsessed with snakes and a lot of weird things. And I'm, I, I don't I'm trying to wonder if that is their way of like a, like a coping mechanism, right? Like trying to put a reason behind what was happening to them by describing something very dark and horrible, you know, or if she actually was Mm -hmm. into witchcraft. I know that the mother was, you know, abused sexually when she was a kid. Um, Apparently her mother sold her and her sister uh, to wealthy, uh, yeah, a wealthy pedophile, um, like 
on a routine basis, you know. So she, she came from a very broken home and then ended up passing that like that broken idea onto these kids. Luckily, I don't believe there's anything uh, like sexual abuse related for the kids, but still, like, God, that's that's horrible. I, I do feel really bad for them and the fact that some of them are still homeless, you know, and they might never be able to be part of a functioning society. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, it's tough. Damn. Um, I'll go over this one real quick just because it does get kind of gruesome, but um. This one I found actually by looking at a different case, and that case was solved by realizing about this one. So this one is uh, it's called the Fritzl case. Um, basically, it happened in Austria, so Europe again. And this was around the time of like nine, in the 70s, late 70s. Um, it all kind of began with the father uh, sexually abusing the daughter. Um, she was 11. And something I found scary already was her mother was held captive in the attic. So this guy had a prison cell that he fuck? built in the attic. Um, and I guess the mother was in there before. So that, that, it, that was the kind of the weird part. The rest of this is a little more coherent as I get through it, but not long after the mother dies, um, he turns the cellar into a bigger cell, right? Someone, something that you could kind of live in, but not be too comfortable. Uh, the father waits till she's 18 and lures her into the basement uh, and basically does uses the ether. She passes out and then she's stuck down there. Uh, this one, I think, is one of the longest imprisonment I could find. <laughs> but throughout this time, um, she is just um, raped beaten, burned, like everything, like just awful. Um, she ends up having, I think it's at six kids, seven Jeez. kids uh, with her dad. And uh, one of them died like a few days after and the dad, he burned the body of that little child. But for some of the other kids, they were actually held in the cellar with her. Um, and he did this because he wanted them to work hmm. for him. Basically, those children would be kind of like slaves <laughs> to this guy. And they would create things that he would, I guess he would make like, machines and then he would take these machines and sell them to like companies or something like that so he would have these kids basically build things um all while he would still beat you know the girl and she tried to escape and nothing really worked uh, while this was going on uh there was 
a lady who was curious, like what happened to, you know, Elizabeth, that's the girl's name. And her, the father forced her to write a letter saying like, oh, I don't ever want to come back to the family, blah, blah, blah. You know, basically painting it like she's being rebellious and she never Mm. wants to come back. It was all a lie, though. She was obviously in that cellar. Uh, At one point, because she was in there so long and the kids were getting older, he increased the size of the cellar. And he never really told anyone why he was going down there for long periods of time. But it, it, the story gets a lot deeper and a little more gross, but I, I, I don't really want to get too much into it because there is a lot more to it. Um, but the way they get found. So one of the, the daughters gets sick, one of the kids. So they, they go to the hospital and I guess they had a note on them. So while the kid was at the hospital with that was actually really sick, um, they were alerted. And that first time, you know, it didn't work. Like they questioned the parents. Parents didn't, you know, play dumb and nothing was found. So she was able uh, to go to the hospital because she was sick. Um, the mom. And basically. She was able to convince the police that she was imprisoned and it worked uh she was in prison for about 25 years yeah from yeah up until 2009 that's insane uh but the parents have or the father has life imprisonment and she Looks like she's uh, had another kid or so, but with someone else and has kind of moved on as much as you can move on from that, you know, but I'm surprised that she was willing to have this one was after all that. Yeah, like uh, this one was just it with those three kids that she had. Um, in the beginning, when they were first born, the the father took them from her, and with the father's girlfriend that he was with, he basically said that they were like abandoned children, and he wanted to care for them. So that lady believed him. Um, yeah, it's it, it it's a really long, dark story. Um. But the other story I was looking at was kind of like, you know, happening at the same time. And that person found out about it. And it was sad, but interesting how it was all kind of tied together. But yeah, it's it's sad. You know, you look these kind of things up and this has happened more than just these couple times. Like, it's really yeah. sad. Yeah. It's it's tough, you know, like it, it's not really much to say, right? With after that, just yeah. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. You you never expect this kind of stuff. And the, the crazy thing is like the fact that it can happen anywhere. And it does happen anywhere. And it's just a matter of being able to find those red flags and see them, but Sometimes it's almost impossible to really know what is actually going on. 
it's impossible to tell and it's it's terrifying all we can do is hope that the people who are involved in these situations the victims of these heinous crimes are able to find some sort of solace like it is nice to hear that you know she was able to find somebody and does have a child right like a, a child hopefully of her own accord right like her own wanting at mm-hmm. that point but yeah it's god heavy Yeah, this is where I usually come up with like a good way of like closing, <laughs> but it's just so yeah. so much to take in, and this is such a, like an emotional ride, and and I you know like this is definitely the toughest like stories that I feel like we've gone over, and we've touched on some pretty insane topics in the past, but there's something different about this. It's the idea of like family is supposed to be a a sense of safety, right? Like that's your safety net right there. That's your rock. That's your like whenever the world is failing you, they're supposed to be there to help you out. And for some people, unfortunately, that's just not the case. It's not it's not a possibility for them. And it's it's so hard to hear. It's so hard to deal with. Gosh. But yeah anyway i think that's just gonna do it for us this week uh thank you guys for listening in really really appreciate everybody that listens and enjoys the show uh and we will be talking to you guys next week with the next set of moral and ethical dilemmas but until then uh bye for now